What's going on, everyone? What's Woo. good? What's going on? This is episode 24. Okay, let's do this. Um, so you already know um today we're gonna have a special guest, but of course, introduction time. I'm not wasting no time. We got TC. What's good, everybody? Woo, look at his screen all clear. Let's go. Oh, yeah. We got yes, Nyron. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, I'm ready. All right, so introduction time. Tom, not being wasted. So we're going to talk about ammonium sulfate. Mm -hmm. uh, we always talk about ingredients. So uh, what we talked about? We talked about, we talked about a lot of stuff. Sheesh. It's a lot of ingredients. As soon yeah. as we get to episode 100, it's probably going to be a, a whole thousand ingredients. You know what mm -hmm. it is? But uh, ammonium sulfate. So what okay. is it? It is a preservative, an inorganic salt found in bread, bagels, bakery, and English muffins. So it All is right. mixed with yeast. I mean, obviously, because it's bread. And the bakery, um, people like, like people people like to you know the 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 smell of it, and it's good. Um, it's mm -hmm. the strength of dough condition and the the the, the strength of the dough. Um, it's a rich source of uh, no nitrogen and uh, ammonium sulfate. In addition, is the role of the pH control in the flour of um and baked goods um the volume that builds up the consistency of it um it improves the shelf life mm -hmm. um so the ingredients of it, it's it's um it improves like you know the the yeast growth and the survival of it and it also does fertilizer too um i don't gotta share my screen for this so, so this is a good salt. Let me, hold on. I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. All the right. Cause, now the cause of, of ammonium sulfate is it causes irritation. Oh, not a good salt. <laughs> diarrhea. All right. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is true. This is what I'm looking up. I don't, don't quote me. Um, it's just like to be honest, you a lot of things that we talk about. I'm starting to like really like just dislike. I, I really dislike what what's the word? I really dislike like scaring people. I don't want to scare people and like, oh, okay, this is ammonium uh sulfate. So is this good? This is bad. Like, this is something you could just Google, you know. So my honest opinion. There are breads that are replaceable with healthy options, like gluten-free. Okay. So, you know, um, let's go on the next one. I don't got to share my screen for this, too. I'm going to just break it down with my words. BHT and BHA. This is in cereal, chips. Uh, this is in anything like canned goods and, and dry foods, right? So basically, right. 
Yes, it's process. BHT and BHA, which stands for, give me a time, give me time. Uh, butylated, 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 hydroxy, in, and insul, insulo. You, you can look. TC, tell me if you I'm deserve right. an award for the attempt. You, do, you deserve an award for the attempt. <laughs> yeah. Like, like any words, like, let me tell you something. Any words that you, that is really tough to sound out, that's how you know it's bad for you. Seriously. Sounds like a whole term. Pretty much. So it's like they banned this ingredients in other countries in, the, in Europe. I'm serious. Japan, like you could look it up, but in United States, of it's still in the United States in the grocery stores. You got Approved it. by the FDA. Huh? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so the United States is the greatest country in the world, quote unquote, but they are going, but they are not going to ban this. In other countries, it's banned. But is a reason why it's banned also, because yes, it's bad for you. It's in we we used to eat these when uh when we was kids, the cinnamon toast crunch and all of that. Um all, yeah, yeah. Um so let me tell you, BHA, uh um, what is it, booty, booty, booty lated, bootylated, and the okay. H. The H stands for hydroxide, and the A stands for um, anisole. I hope I'm saying it right. So, and for BHT, butylated hydroxy um, toluene. Um, like I said, they are in cereal, chips, and other dried food. Um, and okay. it helps. It helps um, their fat stay fresh longer. That's the whole point of the B, the BHA and the BHT. It's uh, it's a and and oh my god, and antioxidants. I hope I'm saying it right. Antioxidants. Yeah, there you go. Antioxidants. See what I'm saying? So, uh, which means they can protect all the compounds from other from damaging effects and oxygen exposure. So which That's this okay. is in a, so which this is in processed foods. Uh, um, it's a food, it's a food additives. So it's designed to en enhance flavor. So the only thing similar that's really healthy about it is the vitamin E, even though it's, it's a healthy preservative. That's really, that's it. So if you see a vitamin E ingredients um, in the food label, um, it's just a healthy version for BHT, which is, um, that's, that's just to mix like, you know, the freshness and stuff. Um, well, that's really informative. I didn't know there were such things as healthy preservatives. Uh, I get it because, you know, even though it is sketchy, all this is for the, um, preserved shelf life for the foods like in supermarkets. That's all it really is for. I really think pretty much for the people like the healthy aspect just to preserve pretty much yeah it's just it's, that's all it is it's just for that's all preservative is so that's it's like cereal can sit there as long as it can because that ingredient 
pretty much. Um, so it's like, you know, once you open the package and like, you know, like the exposure, it's, it's not supposed to have oxygen, like air, like us, like, you know, humans, animals, we supposed to have, you know, air oxygen, you know, hmm. that gives us, you know, life. Um, but as for like something like processed foods, canned goods, um, that you, you can't give it air so it's like you know how you get the bag um and just you know push like you you in the bag or whatever if you get what i'm mm-hmm. saying so, <clears throat> like that's how you can tell like it's for it's for to long an extension life because if you give it oxygen for a long period of time it's going to taste sour Mm-mm. You feel what I'm saying? Then after that, when you eat it, be like, "Yo, why does it taste sour?" My taste bud. So, take it as like you see things as processed foods that you bag up and you box them or something. And if you give it air um, for a long period of time, they're gonna go bad, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And BHA and BHT are found in petroleum, and their main thing is just just like you said, TC preserve it preserves food that's pretty much it um the cause of it is um it gives allergic reactions and it can affect your behavior so that's part of the reason why like other countries banned it and research research is cancer cancer yeah research is saying it's linked to cancer so so yeah. it's a carcinogen. Um, pretty much. Yeah. All right. That's pretty much it. Any any comments, concerns? Y'all can go for it. When are you gonna find an ingredient that I that's actually like healthy? I feel like every ingredient we mentioned kills it. <laughs> fruit. So we mentioned fruit. <laughs> so if you go to so okay. if you go to the other uh the other um previous ingredients we mentioned mm-hmm. fruit we've okay. mentioned we've mentioned how greens healthy where, where greens is good for you apple cider yeah. vinegar we did mention uh black seed oil turmeric um, so we, we did okay. mention turmeric we yes we did okay um mm. I, we did i think we did mention limes lemons all of that so yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so right. you know what just for you, Nyron, we're going to talk about healthy. In the introduction, we're going to talk about something healthy in the next introduction. <laughs> all right. All right. So what kind, of cereals, what kind of cereals could I buy that doesn't have the ingredient that you mentioned? I mean, you asking us, it's, 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 it's your body. Okay. It's, all right. It's your body. If you want recommendations, I know <laughs> the Kashi brand. I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. it properly. The Kashi brand is good. It's expensive, but it's good. Uh, is it black owned? Black owned? Sure. Do we have black owned cereals? <laughs> like organic black owned cereals? No, no. I'm wondering. Like, I'm going to look that up real quick. Black right. Owned. So, so <clears throat> really, uh, to, for me, my recommendation is. Uh, what is it? The three sixty five brands. The three. The, the, the when you see the numbers and like the Whole Foods, three sixty five. That they that um they're good for like cereals and chips and stuff. All right. 
Yeah. If you, you know, if you um, really want to get to your diet, balanced diet and all that. So, yeah. No, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a hot girl summer when I'm trying to get ready. <laughs> so, uh, I found a black-owned cereal. Uh, huh? It's vegan. Black-owned. Okay. Guess the name. We Be Free Cereal. Huh? No. no. Proud, Proud Puffs. Proud Puffs. Proud Puffs. Proud Puffs. Proud wow. Puffs. We got to read the labels oh, to that. Chocolate flavor vegan cereal formed in the shape of the black fist. Oh, wow. Is, okay. There you go. Apparently, this was created during the pandemic. So um, I got to read the rest of this. Is, so that means shelves. it was last year it was created. Well, this was updated February 14th of this year. So. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. so they probably created it like last year, and then after that, it was yeah, you know, the draft and everything, yeah, yeah. Um, anything else before you know, we get to the we get to this, we get to the podcast. All right, I'm good. Drink water, people. <laughs> Drink water. Facts, yeah. facts. Even though we facts. did talk about water in the previous episodes, so yeah, it's about to get uh-huh. hot out here. It is going to get hot. You're already yeah, no <laughs> sweating and all that kind of stuff. Be, be hydrated, okay? Be hydrated. I like that. Mm-hmm. Already. All right, y'all. Let's get it. Let's get to the guests. Hey, it's Nikki Billions with Nikki Billions Bling Boutique. I'm an independent fashion consultant. Allow me to help you accessorize your next event. My pieces arrange from statement pieces to simple pieces to bling pieces to pearl pieces. Allow me to help you give them something to talk about. Visit my website. It's www.paparazziaccessories.com forward slash Nikki Billions. What is going on, y'all? Okay. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's All right. Up? We got a special guest. Let's go. This is episode 24. Let's go. All right. Yeah, episode 24. Yeah, so um let's get straight to it. Please, as a special guest, introduce yourself. <laughs> My name is Alexis Erlin. I am a podcast producer. My co-host, AC Fisher, and I, we host uh, three shows or co-produce three shows. We've got two more in the writings, two more in the works. That's kind of what I do. I talk about this and that. So y'all have some questions for me. So I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having oh, that's, me. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, she ready. She ready for it. Okay. <laughs> um, let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Um, so uh, as... As like um your story goes, because I know you know it's about coping, about uh you know PTSD and trauma, and it's about home organization and everything. So please, for our listeners, you know, get give us uh, a story, um, and share with us your story about like you know what have you been through and everything. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, I grew up in a very interesting home, interesting family. 
I was born and raised into a fundamental Christian, Pentecostal evangelical Christian family. Uh, my family, we didn't just go to church on Sundays. It was an everyday thing. It was a part of every aspect of our lives. Uh, so it was church on Sundays twice. It was Bible study Mondays, Bible study Tuesdays, youth group Wednesdays, practice on Thursdays, Friday night, movie night, Christian movie night, Saturday night revival. It totally just infiltrated everything of my life. And so my family, we all played music together and we would travel to other churches or missions where people would invite us to come and play music. So this was kind of my external life was all wrapped up within this, uh, this religious group. Like I said, was, it wasn't just Sundays. It was every day. It was every morning, every new night. I was homeschooled. I was kept out of uh, the public education system. We were taught to fear people like police and CPS and, you know, any sort of local uh, public resource. Uh, my family, when it really came down to it, anything that involved mental health care or anything like that, anything that was separated from the church, they did not feel comfortable with. So if I ever needed help, I felt like I couldn't ask for it, or I, I feared the people who could have helped me. So that was kind of our external life was very much uh, church ministering to, to other people. Uh, and, but when I came home, it was, it was a little bit different. Um, my mother, now I don't want to, first of all, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about my mom a lot, but I don't want anyone to feel like I'm throwing my mom under the bus because she's got some uh, trauma of her own. She's had to manage and learn how to cope with in her own way. Mm -hmm. And so, but a lot of my trauma and things like that uh, began with her. Uh, like I said, my mom had trauma. And uh, so when she had us children, she started to get very overwhelmed. I didn't see this. I thought my mom had it all together, but the state of our home would reflect otherwise. Uh, our home wasn't a nice home. It was uh, jam-packed full of stuff, full of things. And uh, I spent, I, I think maybe from the age of seven, I was mostly on my own, um, cooking for myself, cleaning for myself, doing my own laundry. And if those of you don't know me, have never seen me, I'm a small person. So if you could imagine a seven-year-old me trying to make a grilled cheese sandwich on a cast iron pan with a gas grill, I mean, that was, uh, it was exciting. <laughs> but um, so I, I went through a lot of neglect. Uh, I didn't understand why I lived that way, why we lived that way. I didn't understand why other people had nice homes, why, you know, there was nothing laying out, everything just seemed put together. I didn't know how to do that. And so going on through those years as, as a mom myself and kind of uh, in my own head, starting to determine what is okay and what's not as far as the religion and how far it went in my life, I started to kind of rethink some things in my head. And I started to get overwhelmed because I was like, I didn't have a mom who knew much about housekeeping. So I found myself really overwhelmed with my things. I didn't know how to manage my home. And I felt like, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel embarrassed. And so I just kind of flipped my thinking and started learning about how to keep house, how to put things away, uh, where things go. I didn't know any of that. 
And, but all of those things, it was more than just where it put things. It was a very emotional journey for me. And so now I help other people with home organization and decluttering and working with people who have hoarding issues. Um, it's, it's very fulfilling to me That's to cool. kind of help people kind of get out of that and kind of, you know, retrain their own thinking so that they can provide a safe and comfortable and happy home for themselves. Okay. That's okay. So yeah, that's a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot more to that, but yeah, it's uh, that was the compact little version. <laughs> but an introduction that's good. Yeah. That's no, no, good. you gave us a lot. So when did you when did you know that the household that you were growing up in wasn't exactly normal? <laughs> well, it, we didn't have a lot of visitors. Uh, my mom didn't like having people coming over. She was anxious. Um, I feel like maybe she was embarrassed, but she wouldn't really outwardly say that. Yeah. Uh, it was weird because she wanted a, a clean home, but she couldn't really do it for herself. And a lot of that responsibility she placed on us kids. But when you're dealing with someone who has hoarding issues, it's not, you can't just say, oh, come in and clean my stuff. If I come in and help, she also didn't want me to touch anything. And so I understood that it was like, uh, an, an emotional struggle for her. So, and so I started to see that when other people would come over and they would, you know, their expressions, they'd be like, whoa, you have a lot of stuff, you know, and I could tell they weren't used to that. And yeah. so I was like, oh, I guess we're different. <laughs> mm. So it's like, a, it's kind of like an OCD kind of order she has. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, my mom always said to me too, you know, she grew up on a farm. Uh, they didn't even have electricity or indoor plumbing until she was 13 years old. And so she wow. always joked about how she had nothing growing up and she didn't know where to put anything. She's like, I've never had any of these things. I don't know what to do with it. So, so, you know, part of that was just, she didn't know any better either. And so, um, but yeah, growing up, I felt awkward not being able to have friends over. I didn't want my, I noticed my friends feeling uncomfortable uh, in our home. Okay. And so I kind of stopped inviting people over or I would try to clean the house, you know, in a way that didn't bother my mom um, or upset her because she got really anxious when her things were moved around and stuff like that. <clears throat> but it got to a point where if I would clean, it would just go right back to where it was almost instantaneously. Right. And so... I got to a point where I was like, I can't help. I can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. And that was kind of hard. So when I got into my own home, I was like, okay, well, I need to like do this for myself and serve myself in a way where I'm not feeling overwhelmed. I love having people come to my home. I'm very hospitable. I like having parties. Um, I like making people feel welcome. I like creating that safe, clean space for people to relax in. Mm -hmm. um, but it was definitely a long journey for me. It was emotional and mental journey for me. Okay. Yeah. TC, um, you have a question? Yeah, my quick question is, did you ever find yourself following your mom's patterns at one point? What was that? Can you hear the question? Can you hear me? You guys yes. hear me? Okay. Yeah. Did you ever find yeah. yourself like falling into the same patterns as your mom? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. But I still do. I still struggle with that. Um, you know, people come into my, my house, they're like, oh, your house is always 
the clean. It's like, no, it's not always clean. I still have to do the daily maintenance. I still have to do the weekly and monthly maintenance. It's right. definitely an ongoing thing, but it, for me, it starts in the morning. I have to get up out of bed and I have to make my bed. That's how it starts. Once I make my bed, I feel like, okay, my bed is ready for me. First of all, whenever I want to come and lay down, it's there. It's already waiting for me. So that kind of gets me excited in the morning, making my bed. Mm. Um, I never did that uh, growing up because it was something we never really did. Uh, so making my bed was kind of a turning point, just getting out of bed. Because I suffered with depression also. And I noticed that uh, suffering from depression, you kind of just want to stay in bed all the time. But when you make the bed, you know, it's a little bit different. It gets you out of bed. Then it, you know, then it's the next thing. Then it's the laundry. Then it's like, okay, throw the laundry in. And then once the laundry is going, then, okay, what else needs to be done? So I just kind of set a routine for myself that kind of helps keep me going. But I do have to keep myself in check. My kids help though, too. Like, mom, you're slacking in the laundry. I can't find my socks. <laughs> you know, but they help out too, you know, but I'm glad that I have my kids, you know, I'm okay with my kids saying, hey, it's getting kind of dingy in here. Let's, let's do some work. But more often than not, it's usually me initiating everything, you know, their kids. So okay. usually they're trying to get out of it, but <laughs> I'm trying to lead by example though. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So when you, when you left your mother's home, um, tell me about that initial lifestyle because I'm imagining by the time you left your mother's home, you weren't in a position yet where you were able to handle the hoarding in a, in a way that I'm assuming you improved with today. Yes. Okay. So when I left my mom, when I left my parents' house, I was 17 years old uh, and hadn't graduated high school because I, I was homeschooled. Uh, it was very fundamental, very uh, biblical based, very Bible based, not a whole lot of real science. So when I left my family, I really didn't know anything about the real world. So I moved uh, two states away to, I spent about six months with my sister, uh, but my sister and I, we don't really get along very well. So that didn't really last. So about six months after that, I just, I was a young adult. I mean, I was a baby pretty much. Um, right. I just kind of dotted from place to place. I didn't really have much. I had maybe one room to myself here and there or a small little apartment. Um, I'd never had my own space before, so I didn't know. I was used to being in other people's homes, doing things they, you know, the way that they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I was also a nanny and a housekeeper, so I was just used to doing things everyone else's way. I didn't know what my way was. And so right. it wasn't until I got older and had kids, that's when it really became real, when I had all the stuff. I had all the baby stuff and the closets and, the, you know, the shoes and the you know, all the kitchen stuff. And that's when it really started to get overwhelming for me because it wasn't just my home. It was a lot of emotional things I was going through with my relationship with my family. And I also walked away from my faith at this time. Um, so that was, I had an inter-dialogue going on there as well. Wow. That must've been tough losing your faith. Like that. Yeah. It was very mm. tough. It was very tough. I didn't initially or ultimately I didn't walk away until I was in my thirties and I had four kids. I'd been married for 13 years and it just with someone who was also born and bred in the church. And so over time, I just realized, you know, I'm not this way and I can't live this way anymore because it's, it's actually damaging to me. 
Um, and so I not only walked away from my family, uh, from the toxic relationships, but I walked away from my religion and my marriage. I literally had no one at that point. Because when you're in a fundamental uh, religious group, if you leave your spouse or if you leave the group, you're seen as an enemy, essentially. Um, you're seen as evil, even um, satanic. Uh, it doesn't sound too dissimilar from the uh, Orthodox Jews, where they, where people that have left their religion have experienced the same hardships you have. The, yes. the familiar connections that you've developed yeah. your entire life, you have Absolutely. to sever for your own self-care, which yeah. is right. a harrowing experience, I'm sure. It was very difficult, and I couldn't have done it without the support of my counselor, first of all. Um, he held that safe space for me to talk about it. I didn't realize all of these things had been bothering me the way that I was raised. Um, I had a lot of trauma. Um, I had trauma where my elder brother was having uh, problems with drugs at the time. He's clean and sober now several years. So congratulations to my brother um, for that. But at this time, when I was young, he had a lot of issues. And when I had tried to approach my Sunday school teachers about it, um, it was swept under the rug and I was actually punished for mentioning any kind of negativity about my family. Um, I was basically ostracized. I was victim shamed. And that was when my mother started neglecting me was at age seven because I had done that. Um, I'd embarrassed her. Um, we weren't the perfect family like everyone thought anymore. And so all of these things were building up to that point when I was in my 30s and I was like, okay, this is all starting to come crashing down and I have to make a change. It was very scary, it was very extreme um, to leave your family and your friends. I mean, I literally had no one. It was very scary, um, but now I can say that I'm very proud of myself. Um, it was hard. I feel like I just barely escaped, you know, hurting, hurting myself. Um, because I just couldn't handle it. I didn't know how to cope without being around my community. I just didn't know mm. how to deal with that. Um, but okay. that's why I started my podcast. Uh, my, uh, my first podcast is called When the Bow Breaks. It's about family estrangement. And so mm -hmm. I separated myself from my family. And I was like, I don't really know how to do this. I don't know how to navigate not talking to your family who does that you know i right. no one was really talking about that so i started a podcast just to talk about it and i found a lot of support there and the show is still up it's live it's running you can visit it wtbb.com uh, so yeah check it out <laughs> so we so was going to create another little support group for myself <laughs> we, we was going to get to that we, we was going to get yeah. to you know the social media <laughs> right. info you know after the no. um, way she said love i was like marketing 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 don't worry, we get the marquee even more later on. Well, it's one of those things that like no one really talks about. It's you know, how many people do you know who don't talk to their parents or their siblings? Right. And yeah. And you know what? Please talk about please talk more about that and what advice okay. can you give for them? Okay. So when I walked away from my family, it was kind of a mixture of things. It wasn't just like, oh, I don't believe what you believe anymore. I don't like you. I'm going to leave. 
or you're a messy person, I don't want to be around you. What is it really like that? What it really came down to was just the toxic behavior that's enabled and supported by the church. Um, they believe in spanking children. They don't believe in women's rights. They don't believe in um, uh, public education so this is like and a things like that. And it was starting to spill over onto my children, uh, that kind of toxic behavior. And that was initially the reason for separating from my family was to protect them. I don't think I would have done it had I not had children, to be okay. honest. So can you help me connect the timeline? So, so you move yeah. out when you're 17, you do babysitting gigs. You're still with your family at this moment. When do you get married? When do you start having children? When does that happen? I got married in 2004 and we were married in my hometown. So I came back, I moved to Seattle. I was in Seattle when I lived with my sister. And then I moved okay. back down to LA, basically where I essentially met my ex-husband and we okay. got married in the church. And then we moved back to Seattle. Um, and so we had been there for since up until I want to say 2018. And then we moved back down to California. Um, that wasn't a move that I really wanted to do. Um, we were victims of fires, floods, all of that. And mm -hmm. our marriage, because I had gone through so much internal changes and I was starting to break away from the church, you know, up here and the toxic behavior, I started to break away from my marriage also. And so it would just all kind of happen at the same time. Wow. It all kind of happened at the same time. So when I left, um, that, you know, that didn't really go so well, leaving, leaving my ex-husband. I mean, I don't know if any of you have been in relationships where you've had to divorce. It's not, it's not easy. It's not fun. There's a lot of emotions that get involved. And so I was basically almost homeless uh, without my children. And that was scary. But I had a friend who helped me. Uh, my co-host, uh, AC Fisher, was was there for me a lot. Um, he's also he's also my ex-partner. In case anyone wanted to know, um, wow. my co-producer and I we dated for a while. Yeah, so we're very close. Uh, but he <laughs> okay. was also grown up the same way. So yeah, no, we grew up the same way, and so he was able to kind of help me with the sort of deconversion aspect of things. And he supported me. He was a big support in that way and was able to kind of get me started with, uh, you know, introducing me to other people so that I wasn't so alone. Um, you know, his family, his friends. I created a whole new network for myself. It's been two years since I left my marriage. So it's still pretty fresh. Yeah, um, right. But all of that dealing with the estrangement from my family, basically one day I... I had written them a letter and I had explained to them, you know, I've set my boundaries. I've, I've given you my limits and over and over and over again, you've been disrespecting them. You haven't been listening to me. You're not hearing me. And so I'm going to have to take a break from you. And basically I said, if you want to talk about this, I'd love to talk about this, you know, in counseling with my counselor there. Um, but that wasn't something that they were interested in. That's still not something that they're interested in. And I had brief contact with my parents this past holiday season, but um, they don't really want that kind of relationship. As far as I can tell, I'm not the daughter that they raised. They don't really know me 
anymore. Right. And uh, if I don't go back into the faith, basically, they don't want a relationship. So that's just something that I've had to accept. I've already dealt with the grief that had been several years before I left my marriage. So I estranged myself from my parents, I want to say maybe two or three years before that. And so I was a couple of years in already when I left my marriage uh, from that. So it was like a tandem of things. Uh, a lot of my friends were concerned, like, oh gosh, she sounds like she's having a nervous breakdown. She's going crazy. She's left her church. She's left her family. She's left her marriage. Um, but I wasn't having a breakdown. I was just having a, re a reconstruction of my life, um, what that I needed to do in order to stay healthy. Right. Yeah. So, so, it sounds like you're... <clears throat> Oh, your identity, because you had an identity crisis at one point. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I, I was raised to be a missionary. That was the only reason I was born. Um, my, I was dedicated to God, basically, in this sort of faith. They give children to God, to the church, to be raised in the church and to serve in the church. And so that was my identity. I didn't know how to be anything else other than that. Um, I was a singer. I sang. I performed on stage. I was involved in a lot of plays and things like that. And so when I walked away from my faith and my family, I was like, what do I do on Sundays? You know, first of all, what do I do on Sundays? What do I, I can't sing this music anymore. I don't believe it. What do I sing now? What do I do? I had to figure out who I was. I didn't know what I liked. I was taught to dress a certain way, be a certain way, wear certain things have a certain kind of attitude. Um, so I really didn't know who I was. So major, major identity crisis for sure. I'm still learning about myself too. Um, but I can say I like myself who I am a lot, a lot better now than I did. That's good. For sure. Hey, I'm, I'm getting, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting calls that um, I'm getting uh, that you're a little bit laggy a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm getting, okay. yeah, I'm seeing it in the com Yeah, I'm seeing it on, a little, a little bit laggy, just saying, you know, um, but okay. yeah, we, we continue. Um, so get, what's, what's the advice can you give to our listeners? Like, can they see, like, what is it that they can do if they, you know, um, uh, for like, if they like trauma or CSD, like, do, like, do you think they should seek counseling or something or do something that they love, like an activity? Like, yeah. Combination, definitely a combination. Um, some, sometimes therapy doesn't work for some people. Sometimes you just need to talk. So talk therapy is great. Find someone who wants to listen to you somebody who doesn't judge you, somebody just there to listen, not even to give you advice to hold that space because you're going to figure out a lot of things yourself just by talking about it. Journaling, um, counseling helped me for sure a lot. Um, he asked all the right questions. He didn't give me advice, but he asked all the right questions and that helped me kind of figure things out for myself. So it's, it's good to have somebody like that in your corner. Um, but for someone like me who was raised in the church and who was a music minister for decades, um, I had to find new hobbies. I had to find things to do where I felt I was still helping people. So I was like, well, uh, maybe I'm not singing anymore. I'm acting, but I still, I, I know how to use a microphone. So let's go get a microphone. Then I started my podcast and talking to different kinds of people who I found were like myself just opened so many doors 
for me. Um, finding people who are like-minded, finding people who have the same experiences was, was very helpful. It was very helpful. So yeah, um, find things that you like to do. Try new things, meet new people, talk about it. Don't apologize for who you are. And just you know, let people know, hey, I'm not finished yet. I'm a work in progress. I've had a lot to deal with and I'm trying new things, so bear with me. <laughs> but that's kind of the first step, get good support. Um, if somebody, if you feel bad every time you talk to a certain friend or, you know, you leave, leave feeling kind of judged, find somebody else to talk to. Um, you don't need that kind of negativity right now when you're, you know, going through this kind of stuff. It's, it's life-changing stuff for sure. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Um, Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, <laughs> are, are you there, okay. like there we go. She's back. All right, she's back. There but she's go. muted. She's um, muted. I can't. Okay. I don't see her. But she go. There, I mean, there's the internet for you. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. We're getting a lot of requests. Like you know, we we're, we're getting like you know, you was kind of laggy a little bit, and they you know, but. You're good now. Yeah, like your audio is fine, but okay. um, your camera frees up some. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, right. that's what we getting requests from our yeah. end from our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. No, thanks, Nyron, guys. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, we we in this. We got this. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So, so my question was: Do you remember the day that you wanted out? Do you remember a specific moment where you just said? I couldn't do this anymore and I wanted to go. Can you talk to me about that? Well, in terms of my family, I my counselor had asked a question. I'd been complaining. I was like, they don't listen to me. And I set boundaries and they totally did exactly what I asked them not to do. And then finally, he just said, well, how long are you going to let them treat you like that? Bars. And I was like, whoa. That kind of hit me. I was like, I kind of am. Say that again. It's like, what now? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> he said it. He used to say, yeah, like, my said, Come on, somebody. My counselor said, Come on, somebody. Yeah, he said, how, Come long, on. how long are you going to let them treat you like this? And mm. I realized that I, I was enabling. I was. And so that was when I was like, okay, well, I have to change something then. Yeah. So that's kind of when I walked away. And with my marriage, that was just something that was fizzled out for, you know, had been several years. I was kind of already on my way out there. I mean, were you um, ever in so love with him or was, was it really just just another machination of the church? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, I was. hold on, hold on, I was. hold on, Naira. I was, that... to be honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, good. Do your thing, do your thing. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I was, I'm also, I was very young. I didn't know what was out there. I met my husband at a Christian college on campus. So, I mean, and there it's like, they basically breed you to get married young. There was a whole joke called, it was called Life Bible College, but they called it Wife Bridal College. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that just kind of gives you an idea of like where my mind was at when I was 19, 20. It's like, I got to right. get married, right? I got to make these babies for the church. I have to raise my family. You know, that's where my head was at. But I did like him. I got along with him. We were comfortable with each other. We had a lot of fun. He's a pretty easygoing kickback person. However, 
Um, he was also raised in the faith and there were a lot of elements to that that just didn't work for me anymore when I realized I'm just not that person. So, so was it like a yeah. point for you when you've seen some of that stuff he's displaying? Did that set you? Yeah, it was definitely a gradual thing. A lot of it was just habitual because that's also how he was raised. Okay. Um, but when I talked to him about these things, it he was more kind of like talking about the change, but could never put it in, into practice. Oh. And I really felt like the marriage was holding me back personally. And that was hard. It was hard to walk away from that um, because, you know, I don't like to throw him under the bus. There were a lot of things that yeah. just really didn't work in general that had nothing to do with religion or anything like that. The marriage was just done, but um, it taught me a lot. Um, and he was very supportive in terms of me leaving my toxic family. He didn't like the way they were treating me or my children. Um, when he first met me, when he first saw how my family treated me, he was really kind of put off by that. And he's like, do they always treat you like that? And mm -hmm. so he was very supportive in, in, in terms of that. Um, but the, the marriage ending, that was, that was hard for him. But you know, we're, we're on good terms where we're making it work. We, uh, we meet up when we swap kids and, you know, it's, it's all right. Okay. We're all right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one day I will say, you know, it's not throwing anybody under the bus. At the end of the yeah. day, friend or family, you have to do what's best for you. Yeah. Right. So That's true. That's day, true. The way I look at life, life is like a book. You write the chapters and you write how much pages you want in that, in that book. Right. That's true. It's all part of the journey, you know? Yeah. And I think that was it for me. I was exhausted with keeping up with everyone else's writings about me, what the church expected of me, what my family expected of me, what my husband expected of me. Mm -hmm. um, it was too much. I realized, even though I'd worked towards that all my life, I realized, you know, I'm not this way and I'm going to be very, very unhappy. I'm not going to be a good mom. That's really mm -hmm. what did it for me. I was not a good mom when I was in that state. And so I really just, I really did it for my kids, but now I really am doing it for myself because I've seen that it, it works. I'm not just simply sacrificing myself anymore. I'm really building myself up and correcting those behaviors that have taken a long time, um, a long time coming. Uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms is something that you develop as a child that don't serve you when you're an adult. So you have to kind of unlearn those things. Um, but counseling helps with that, for sure. But what other um, coping mechanisms do you know now that you could share with the audience? Well, meditation really helped me. Um, that was something I kind of felt weird about in the beginning, like, oh, meditation. That's something the church kind of speaks against. Uh, they think it's weird. But I started it because I had such terrible anxiety. None of the medications or anything that the doctor was giving me was really helping. Either that or it was making me worse. And so I started practicing meditation using the Calm app. They have guided meditations. They have just sounds. Um, they have all kinds of stuff. So that's an app that I use that I really like. Um, but it's a practice. It helped me to remove all of the mess that was in my head. So when you get rid of the mess that's in your head, it's a lot easier for you to get rid of the mess that's surrounding you, like with your home and, you know, things like that. Your home really, I believe it really is a reflect a reflection of what's going on like up here for me. 
So Ooh. meditation really helped um, talking to people who just different kinds of people. I always find the people who are, who know more than me, who are smarter than me, who can teach me things. Um, I like finding those kinds of people, people who I want to look up to and be like, um, uh, learn from them. Those are good ways that I cope actually, because it gives me that example that I didn't have growing up. So that's kind of another way I cope. I kind of find, uh, find people who seem to be doing it a little bit better than me and I try and learn from them. Um, so meditation really helped grounding myself when I'm in the middle of a panic attack. It takes a lot of practice. Uh, you get shaky. I, I really do freak out sometimes if I'm, if I'm feeling unsafe. I have to stop myself and I have to be in the now. I have to remind myself I'm not back in that scary place. Mm-hmm. That's in the past. My body thinks I'm still there. That's why my body freaks out. I have to tell my body, look, I'm not there anymore. You're here. You're okay. Like here's a table. Table's fine. It's moving. It's not where it's not moving. No one, you know, no one's throwing chairs at you or anything like that. You're okay. You're safe. So I have to look around the room and and pick out things just to distract my mind for a minute so that I can uh, refocus. So that's definitely something that is an ongoing practice for me. All right. So what is your current relationship with God if you have one? Are you, you consider yourself an atheist or is it more of a Protestant relationship? Well, that's kind of funny because when I was, when I had already kind of exited that faith, you know, like when you're driving in the car, you almost get hit by something and then you immediately start praying, you know, out of habit. Um, right. I did that for a while, but, but right now my relationship, I don't really think that there, if there is anything out there, I haven't seen any evidence of it. So I, I'm not saying that there isn't, um, but to mm-hmm. me, I don't really think that there is, at least in my life, I've had experiences definitely um, but you can have an experience in any religion. You can have an experience, uh, you know, a spiritual experience by yourself in your room mm-hmm. alone. Um, right. You know, so I had to, you know, to kind of study that and understand that a lot of what I experienced was simply uh, come from grooming and things like that. So, so right now, I identify now. Hold on, Nairon. Hold on, Nairon. Hold on, Nairon. Let let her finish speaking. Yeah, come on, since you got you got this. (laughs) I identify as atheist now, so that's kind of what I identify as. But yeah, I just simply don't let religion uh, determine what I need to do in my life. I think that I I'm a good person. I know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. But I also know that there's not always right and wrong. Sometimes there's a lot of gray areas. The older I get, the more, you know, you realize there's not always right and wrong. There's a lot of gray areas that you have to kind of figure out and find your own footing and kind of check, you know, your head and find out what you really believe about things. Um, that's still an ongoing practice for me. Go ahead, Nairon. No, 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 no. That's, that's what I was getting at. Like, um, you know, what will you identify yourself with now? somebody who's Protestant or maybe somebody who's atheist, you know, you sufficiently answered the question. I'm sorry that I interjected while you were explaining yeah. yourself. I have one day. No, that's okay. I, I could see why you say that because it's how you was brought up. You went to church literally 24-7. Right. Of course, Our house was church. <laughs> yeah. You never had a, you never escaped that Christian reality. 
So mm-hmm. I can understand your viewpoints on why you think like that. Yeah, it was hard. Do you think that, no, no, what, what I was gonna ask, do you think that overabundance of the church was a, prim, a primary causation for your eventual atheism? Um, no, I would say it's, it's more that I, it wasn't like, oh, I had a bad experience, so now I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I had to, okay, so I knew that, <laughs> ask a lot of people, you're, you know, I've read the Bible front, back, inside out. I mean, I got a Bible for my birthday every year from my mother. That's what I got for my birthday. So wow. I know the Bible in and out. Um, I went through that process of deconversion and in my own head, I reasoned my way out of it. I just came to the conclusion. I was like, you know what? I, I just don't believe this anymore. And even if I did believe in it, I don't think I want to follow it because I don't like what this, what this God stands for. I just don't. So, um, that's kind of what it came down to for me. (laughs) Okay. And then after like throughout life and then it's, starts like you know bring you like you know when you got older of the consciousness you're like oh okay now I see of the God of the side okay so now it's in the consciousness of like okay now I see it like okay this is God okay yeah Yeah, okay yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) right what he is and what he isn't you know that was something you know because when you're when you're a child in the church, what they do first is they groom you. They say, Jesus loves you. It's the love bombing. It's all these good things. But then it's like, well, if you don't believe in me, you're going to hell. It's Mm. like, to me, when you use fear to coerce someone into a relationship, that's abusive to me. That's how I feel. So that for me, that did it for me. I was like, I'm I'm done. (laughs) I just don't, I just don't like that. I'm just, that's, I'm not into that. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> okay. Nah. And that, yeah. go ahead, TC. No, no, I was gonna see if Nara had questions because you know Nara. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with questions. I, I always have. I know. Questions. I know you're always ready. <laughs> so, right, so one thing, and, and I always told, I always tell all our guests, Nairon is the type of person that's gonna ask you like fifty, hundred questions. Like, so he's a here. Yeah, he's a dictionary. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. Encyclopedia never goes off. <laughs> yeah, you can ask me anything. All right, so so you talked about meditation as one of your coping uh-huh. mechanisms, and you said medication yes. doesn't really work for you, right? So outside of meditation and being around positive people, um, what else? What else could you recommend to other people who might have been experiencing PTSD or might currently go through something that is traumatic? Well, I would say if you're having a really really hard time coping, you can't manage, you really do need to get into counseling because they can give you tools. They can give you, uh, they can show you how, you know, different ways of coping. See, meditation works for me, but it might not work for somebody else. Somebody else might just need to find something that they can actively do to keep themselves busy while they're learning other ways to cope. Um, In addition to meditation, I had to establish a healthy routine for myself. Like I said before, getting up on time, getting up in the morning, not laying there, being anxious about the day, just get up, make my bed, you know, uh, just get on with it and just, you know, get ready to roll with the punches, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But a healthy routine, that's something that took me a while to to work at, but that really helped me. 
um, okay. just having a routine. And so now when my routine gets interrupted, I get a little bit anxious, uh, but I'm learning how to cope with that too. <laughs> I'm a bit ADD and I'm also on the spectrum. So I like to know what to expect. And so I'm one of those people, my anxiety manifests like what happened? How long is this going to last? Or what's this, you know, where's this, where's the exits? And you know, that's what's in my mind all the time. And so I have to mm -hmm. constantly say, you know, nothing bad is happening. You're okay. Just breathe, you know, focus on your breath and focus on, you know, what's true. And uh, so it's just kind of like rechecking myself constantly. Um, I wasn't aware of all this. I couldn't really, sometimes something would trigger me and I wouldn't know why it triggered me. I didn't know what triggered me for days. Um, it used to be the smell of hairspray used to really? trigger me. I didn't know why for a long time. The smell of hairspray made me sick to my stomach. And then in counseling, all of these old memories started coming up. I had blacked out uh, a whole entire year of my life. When I was seven years old, I didn't think I could remember anything. And in counseling, I realized, well, actually I do remember when I was seven, but they weren't nice memories. And I realized the reason why I'd been triggered by hairspray was because uh, you know, I was an eighties child so before church, we'd all get dressed up and you know, the hair and everything. And my sister, she'd be having my hair way up to here and like teasing it and the hairspray and everything like that, the Aquanet. But she'd also use the curling iron and she would like burn me, you know, purposefully like in the neck and things like that. And so that's why that's where that trigger came from. But for years, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Now it doesn't trigger me. It doesn't bother me anymore because now I can say, well, just because this hairspray is here doesn't mean that I'm going to get burnt with a curling iron, you know? Right. So I have right. to um, reassure myself. Yeah. That's a huge sign of progress. <laughs> That's one example. What was that? No, no. I said that was a great sign of progress. The fact that you were able to cope by using logic to deduce that what you've experienced as a child isn't going to be the same experience now as an adult. Separating your past from your yeah, present. Cognitive thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cognitive so, thinking. Yeah, cognitive thinking definitely helps. It's not enough to ask the what ifs. <clears throat> it's like, follow them through. You know, when I was afraid of the hairspray, it's like, oh, I don't want to smell it. But it's like, well, what happens if you smell it? You smell it, you don't like it. Oh, well, I don't have to buy the hairspray. But yeah. when I smell it, I don't have to get to that point where I'm afraid anymore. Mm -hmm. But it took time. For years, I didn't know why that, that bothered me. But it wouldn't have come out had I not had that safe space to talk about it. It was okay. It took time, you know? Now you discover what it yeah. was. Yeah. You conquered it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was just one. <laughs> that was just one <laughs> weird trigger that I had. I have a lot of others. <laughs> Diamond? Yeah. Um, so we got a question from our listeners. Um, cool. so the first, <laughs> so our first question is how has your trauma affected the way you raise your children with religion? Mm, okay. So yeah. Okay, good. Cause I didn't really touch on this too much. I like that you asked, you asked that question because I used to raise my children in the church. We, it was spanking if you didn't listen. It was, you know, I'm doing this because I love you. You know, it was, we dedicated our children to the church. Um, 
pushing our kids into ministry, things like that. I was doing all of the things that I was raised to do. And then I saw how it was negatively affecting me. And then I was like, well, I can't do this to my kids. If this is what's happening to me, I got to stop this. It was not easy. It didn't happen overnight. I was very depressed. I didn't know how to discipline my children or parent my children without spanking because that's all I ever had. I was spanked a lot as a child, a lot, um, by my mom, by my dad, by whatever was laying around a strap or, you know, whatever. Um, and I didn't know how to raise my kids otherwise. And so I would, I was going through depression. I'd go and like hide in my room if my kids were, you know, getting wild or I didn't know how to cope. And I didn't know how to parent them without hurting them, which I thought was insane. And so I was like, I don't know how to do this. So I would just like lock myself in my room. I'd call my friend or I'd call my counselor. I don't know. I don't know how to manage this. And, and so it was a lot of just uh, calling people and talking to them, having them talk me through it. Because when my kids would get upset, that would trigger me. And the reason why that would trigger me is because when I was a kid and I needed someone, no one was there. And so I did not know how to be there for my children because I did not have, I didn't really have parents. Um, I didn't have a very good relationship with my dad. And so I did not know how to parent. I thought I did. I thought I had the Bible and that was all I needed. Um, But uh, so I stopped the spanking, obviously. I stopped that. And then I started to, uh, you know, in counseling, all of the healthy coping mechanisms that I'd been given, I started practicing. I started teaching my kids. My kids started using the Calm app. Um, They practice meditation in school, which I appreciate very much. My kids go to public school. So I'm, you know, feel good about that. They're getting good education and good uh, exposure and um, access to counseling. See, I didn't even know, even until my thirties, up until recently, I didn't know that kids could just walk in and go see a counselor at school if they needed to. I didn't know that. Um, and so I feel like my kids have access to the kind of help that I didn't have. So putting them into public school was something that I was um, really excited to do um, because I can't do this myself, especially as a single mom. So I really reach out to my community um, uh, for support in raising my kids in a healthy way. Okay. That's, that's, that's yeah. Let's go. Oh, let's go. This is, yo, this is an important conversation. <laughs> and this episode definitely um it's another tc you want to take this one yeah i'm gonna need you to help me on this one though hold on i just lost the facebook live okay so i i got it it's all right so uh the question for a listener um often about the basis of ethics after leaving religion why are we here and what are we doing to make life better for others and for ourselves? Thank you. Yeah, I just found it. I love that question. I can honestly say, I don't know why we're here. <laughs> I know that there's, I mean, it's a big place. The universe is a big place. And we haven't found a whole lot of other life forms out there like us. So I really don't know what's what. But I find it very exciting and fascinating, and I love science. I love all the new information that they're that they're coming out with. Um, so I I don't have all the answers. Um, I can't remember what was the second part of that question. Wh- why are we here? And and what what was the other part of that? Why are we here? Is it a kind of 
Oh, how the heck do you pronounce this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll have a slow moment. Forgive me. <laughs> All right. So, so the question is, it's like, okay, so why are we here? And what mm -hmm. are we doing to make life better for others and for ourselves? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, in every day. Well, I can tell you from my perspective, something that really helped me, and this is one way that my, that AC Fisher, my ex really helped me. He's very much feminist. You don't know him. Um, and I was raised in a faith where I didn't even get a paycheck. The paycheck, if I had a job within the church, it usually had to go to my husband because, you know, you couldn't really have women in leadership and some wow. churches aren't like that. Some churches are very um, forward thinking, but this one wasn't. So uh, the, I'm all for the uh, you know, equalization and education of women. Um, I'm very much for that. Uh, I'm very pro-choice. I probably wouldn't have had so many children if I wasn't in the faith. Um, and that was also very damaging. You feel like you have to have all these babies even though it's dangerous. It was dangerous for me. I really had no business having children. Um, it was very unsafe for me, but I felt obligated and I was, un I was uneducated. I didn't know that I could make those decisions for myself. Um, those decisions were always something that I battled with, uh, choosing heaven or hell. And so I don't have to make my decisions based off of heaven or hell. I make decisions based off what's practical and what works for me and what's safe. Um, so that's kind of how I do things now. But um, so I'm all for uh, public safety, uh, counseling for kids, uh, peer support groups, um, honest, honest conversation. I, I tell my kids, you know, when they get angry, they, they still think, oh, that's a bad word, or I can't, you know, they don't feel like they're allowed to be angry. I was like, but being angry, there's nothing wrong with being angry. You have feelings. There's nothing wrong with having feelings. It's what we do with them. And so that's something that I'm teaching my kids. Um, so that they don't have to hold everything in like I did, because in the faith, you're not allowed to acknowledge your feelings. You're supposed to deny yourself. That's something that you're taught. You're supposed to deny any kind of feeling or um, temptation. Uh, you have to constantly deny who you are. And that's something that I didn't want to teach my kids. I want my kids to know who they are. And even if they don't believe what I believe, um, just honest, open communication, I think, is very healthy for kids and for their development. So I'm all for, for that for kids. I'm all for um, uh, education and support women, equal pay, equal all that. That's very important to me. Quality. Yeah, yeah. equality. Okay. Yeah, important. equality for sure, for everybody. I think, I think it's important nowadays that people have to listen to children because we are so often shunning them off to the side. You're a child, you got nothing to talk about. What are you talking about? You know, poopy pants, right? You don't know anything, yeah. <laughs> right. We used to be children once and we were poor, <clears throat> so we'd be just as wrong neglecting them, yeah. The humans at the end of the day, as well, yeah. And it's Absolutely. it's kind of a trip to uh, you know, to come to that realization and then in the middle of having my own family just to flip that kind of thinking. That was a challenge and it's, it's still a challenge for me. There's still a lot, of, a lot of habits that I'm breaking. There's still a lot of mindset that my kids are still stuck in. 
um, that they have to kind of learn to let go. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a work in progress for sure. I have one question. When it comes to your family, did you forgive mm -hmm. them or are you still having that battle of forgiveness for them, for yourself? I have forgiven and, and I like talking about forgiveness and I'll tell you why. Um, in the Christian faith, you're taught that forgiveness is one way. You basically say it, it happens, you forgive, forget, that's it. But as I got older, I really struggled with that. That was one thing that I really struggled with. I was like, I can't just say I forgive someone. It doesn't, that doesn't work. I say it, but I, I still feel like they owe me something. Mm -hmm. And I kept going back to my family thinking that, you know, waiting for them to change their behavior or waiting for them to make those provisions that I didn't have, I was waiting around for them to change. Yes. And because of that, I couldn't forgive. And so what I had to do was I had to release them from the debt that they owed me. Because even if they, I, they never could repay it. Even if they had changed their way of thinking, they can't undo what they had, you know, what had happened to me. They can't uh, change my childhood or my exposure to my trauma or anything like that. So I have to mm -hmm. let it go. I can't do anything with it other than use it to help someone else. So I've forgiven them in that sense. However, uh, I'm not going to go back to that just because I've forgiven them. I'm not going to give them room to hurt me again, if that makes sense. Yes. If someone steals your wallet, they, feel, they say they're sorry, they burn it back. I'm not going to let them go near my wallet again, even though I forgave them the first time. I'm going to walk my back the second time. So right. that's kind of how I am. Okay. <laughs> right. All right, let's go, Nairon. So you. Well, okay. So uh, my follow-up question is: um, Well, you're single now. Are Are you currently dating anybody? Are you turning? Are you dating anyone? <laughs> I'm kind of dating, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. my question is: How do you prevent your past experiences from leaking into new relationships? I uh, I talk about it. I'm very open about my experience with the people that I date. Um, that's, I point them to my podcast because I talk about it a lot there. I was like, if you really want to know me, like, this is me, I'm a bit messed up, you know, in certain ways, but you know, I'm getting there. So yeah, I'm very, I'm very honest with people that I date about all of that for sure. Because I feel like if you don't, if you go into a relationship with expectations of the other person, as well as withholding who you really are, uh, mm -hmm. you set yourself up for disaster. <laughs> For sure. Say that again. Say yeah. that again. It's so, so true. Say that again. Say it again. Say it again. You can't fake it forever. <laughs> yeah, you can't fake it forever. You got to be who you are. You have to be real and you have to let people know that, hey, I'm not perfect. These are the mistakes I make. You know, I'm learning how to cope with it. And so it's like, I can't expect someone to cope with it any more than I can cope, <laughs> I guess. So, you know, it's, it's, it's slow going, but it's all right so far. <laughs> and how, how has the reception been when you talk about your past? Has it been positive? Have you had guys that you've been dating that, you know, just completely wanted to stay away? How does that work overall? Well, it's been a little easier, I have to say, because I'm, I'm not dating Christians. So it's a little bit easier, to be honest, uh, with, uh, with the people that I do date. Um, I guess, I'm, I don't know, I just, I'm just, I'm open. I'm up, I'm, I'm up front. And I think what I found surprising is that they're so interested. 
they seemed very interested in how I was raised. There's a lot of questions about um, the church and like what a typical Sunday was for my family. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about, I, I, I dated one guy, went and had lunch with him and he peppered me with questions about the Pentecostal movement. And so we had talks about uh, the speaking in tongues and things like that, that I'd experienced uh, with my family. Um, they call it being slain in the spirit where I guess the Holy Spirit supposedly enters you and gives you another language. And this was something that my, that was very heavy within the church that I was raised in. And so they what? found that very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So they're more interested, I think. I don't think they're worried or afraid. Um, I just think they find it interesting. <laughs> so I haven't really had any problems. It's not been like, oh, well, you're raised kind of weird. I don't think I can date you. It's just more of like, oh, wow, it's interesting. Now let's go have fun. <laughs> you know, let's go on a date. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that's really positive, you know, because I think yeah. there might be some people that would, you know, everybody has their own standards. And I would assume that there are some people out there that would have this standards of, you know, I can't deal with anybody with baggage or I can't deal with anybody that's quote unquote working on themselves. So the fact that you could have that experience with people who are open and receptive can only be encouraging towards your own personal convalescence. Right, right. And going in with no expectations is really important because mm -hmm. if you have expectations, you're going to have to be honest with them. If you're going to have the expectations you need to let people know what you do expect because I do have some expectations I expect to be treated with respect um I expect to be heard um you know but I try not to have too many you know expectations I just really focus on getting to know the person and I don't focus on is this going somewhere romantically I more focus on um just being in the moment with that person and getting to know that person and um valuing that person because i have a lot of questions for them too so yeah <laughs> okay all right uh we get uh, a, a, woo! you get hit with questions oh you get hit with questions mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm telling you you get hit with questions i'm telling you alexis you get woo -hoo -hoo. um okay <laughs> um okay so the next question they woo -hoo -hoo, they have um, so the next question is, do you still have a relationship with your mother? Is it important to have a relationship with a loved one who has caused trauma or is it okay to let the person go regardless if the person is a mother, father, sister, or brother? Okay. So this, that's a loaded question and I'll tell you why. I love my parents even though we don't get along. And I love my sister too. My sister was very abusive to me growing up, um, which is one of the reasons why I left thinking that I, you know, when I was 18, thinking it'd be over and done with, um, it wasn't. And uh, I, I constantly struggle with that. I, I have my parents where they actually found my show about estrangement. That's how they found me. So they wow. connected with me through the show, which I actually thought was kind of cool. Um, so I was like, okay, my show is reaching the people it's supposed to reach, uh, the estranged uh, community. But uh, it's very minimal. We have very minimal contact. I, I tried to have conversations with my mother, but like I said, she's, she's so into her faith and she's so into, uh, she, she has a lot of mental illness. It's very difficult to have a normal conversation with my mother without talking about the church 
or some sort of Trump conspiracy or something like that. Um, it's really non-existent. I can't really talk to her. It's difficult. I can talk to my dad, but even that sort of strange, strained, we never really had a relationship. And so I've actually gone through something quite recently where I was struggling with that. I was like, do I let this go or do I just keep waiting? And so mm. I came to a point where I, you know, I, I talked to my dad about it and I said, you know, can we at least just have a private conversation? Um, but he doesn't want to go anywhere without my mom. And that's always been the issue. I've never been able to have a private conversation with my father ever. And so he doesn't really know about the abuse. He doesn't really know about all those things that happened when he was at work. And I don't really know that that's something that I can talk to him about now because he's older and his health is failing. I don't know how much he can really handle. I don't, uh, I don't, I'm always struggling with how much do I tell him? What do I say? And so I left the option open for him to contact me privately, uh, but he's, he told me that he's not really interested in doing that. And so it, it, honestly, it hurt, it, it stung. Even though I had been grieving the loss of, my, of the relationship with my parents for years, it was almost kind of like that final nail in the coffin, kind of like, yeah, they're not interested. Mm. So but I, I told my dad, I said, look, if you ever change your mind, I'm here. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's so tough, have, but it's have, a function. It's okay. So you have yeah. closure, but you don't have closure. Right. I don't think I'm ever really going to have, I don't even know if closure really exists, to be honest. I feel like there's certain levels of that. I'm um, pretty sure there's proper terminology. I know that my dad loves me. I know my dad loves me, he, but he's mm -hmm. still very into the faith. And I have to understand that as well. Um, when you're in that sort of religion, they really believe that if you socialize with people who aren't of the faith, that that will cause them to stumble or that will cause them to uh, walk away from God. So they see it as doing themselves a favor by staying away from me because they can't rub up against people who are uh, non-Christian, I guess. Okay. So I have, and they really do believe that I'm going to go to hell. And so, and, and to me, that kind of hurts that, you know, makes me feel sad that they're always in that mindset and yet they can't talk to me. So yeah, it, it, it's a bit upsetting, but, but you know, I'm, I'm coping with it. Okay. I'm okay. Yeah. And if I ever, if I ever do feel like I want to say hi to my dad, I do. Uh, whether or not he answers, I mean, that's totally up to him, but um, so yeah, there still is contact, but it's it's very minimal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Nairon. Go ahead. Um, in terms of passing on trauma, do you believe that you've done a successful job as a mother to preventing those traumas that you've experienced from seeping into the relationships with your children today? Mm -hmm. Honestly, no. I made a lot of mistakes um, before I realized I was making mistakes. And mm -hmm. even when I realized I was making mistakes, I was still making mistakes. Um, I still make mistakes every day. But now, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be the perfect parent that I want to be because I'm having to completely change everything I do midway. Um, my eldest, she's, she's 15. She's going to be driving soon. She's almost, you know, practically an adult. So, you know, her childhood is kind of, you know, on the outs. Um, you know, and my younger kids, they're they don't remember anything about being in the faith, which I kind of 
I'm kind of, I feel good about that. I was like, okay, they don't remember any of that stuff. That's kind of nice. Um, I fail my kids every day. I fail my kids every time I have a panic attack that I can't cope with. Uh, you know, I lose it sometimes. Sometimes I yell at them. I don't like to yell. My dad yelled all the time. It's very rare that I have to yell at my kids, but it happens sometimes. But that's when I apologize and I tell them, look, I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have. This is something, this is your mom's problem. This isn't your problem. But this is why your mom gets overwhelmed. Let's try to adjust the situation so it doesn't get so intense next time. So it's, there's a lot of conversation with my kids. I have to be open and honest with my kids. I can't just pretend that I have it all together. My kids have to see me cry sometimes. They do. If they see me together all the time, they're not going to know how to deal with their own feelings. And, you know, if they see their mom going through it, they see their mom, mom's upset, but she's okay. You know, mom doesn't have parents, but she's still happy and she has friends and, you know, it's okay. They see that. I'm very transparent with my kids in that way. So I think that that's really, that's the best I can do right now. Um, but from the support that I've had from, you know, other friends and family, I've been told I'm doing okay. <laughs> so I rely on that a lot. I rely on, you know, my support and uh, my accountability for sure. I think your candidness about your own imperfections in, in parenting can be a remedy for improving the relationships that you have with your children in the future. Recognizing that you are not perfect is a huge yeah. step forward. That's a yeah. Because a lot of right. people don't even realize what they do wrong, and you realize that, and you try to correct it. So mm -hmm. like day, yeah. it sucks, but at least you know what's happening, and you can always better yourself. And you yeah. can also see that too, and learn how to handle things when they even get older. Right. And I, I struggled with that. I was like, oh gosh, this caused so much damage to me. And this caused so much damage to my kids. How do I undo this? It's like, I can't undo it, but I can change moving forward from today. So, yeah. So I, I just want to uh, comment what someone is into you. Um, so Jennifer, and Je um, as for Jennifer Lynn, thank you for um, shout out to you. Thank you for, uh, watching uh this podcast um so yeah definitely um so what she's saying to you uh, uh is it's complicated with parents um you've done your part and respects your effort and boundaries yes it is upsetting when religion is a barrier to a good relationship with someone parents or not that is what uh it meant in uh the question about ethics about ethics because um the belief is ethical behavior trumps religion like point yeah of yeah it does <laughs> it does and that's something i i still struggle with you know i i've only been out of the church for i mean it's been less than eight years and even those first few years i still i wasn't really in the community i was still kind of in my own little bubble uh, I self-isolated for 18 months when I first separated myself from the church. Uh, I isolated because I didn't know how to cope. I was afraid to just do normal things like everybody else. I, I didn't know how to do that. So it's, it's definitely baby steps um, for sure. Uh, taking risks, putting myself in situations that used to make me scared. Uh, I've learned to kind of step out and realize that 
it's not always, it's not as scary as, you know, I was led to believe it really isn't. There's a lot of good people out there. So I have a question. I, I want to get to, uh, now let's get deep for, uh, let's get very deep. Like, um, and a, a lot of us do suffer trauma um, mm -hmm. because of, it's in our eyes in the television, in news, um, especially in recent events, what's going on. So coping with trauma, uh, what advice would you give to people, uh, like especially that they see it in their eyes and it's like they're, they, they wanna escape it, but in the world, they just see it everywhere. So mm. what advice would you give uh, to them? I used to see things that way. I used to see things very black and white. I used to think the world was a really scary place, um, but really you have to put yourself out there. You're not gonna know until you go out and do it. Um, I went to a painting class once. I'd never been to a painting class before. Just that was a big step for me, rubbing up against people. You know, on a Sunday, I went to a painting class. That was a big step for me, but I did that and I met some really interesting people and I had a new experience that I valued and I treasured. And so I just, I keep, I, I try not to let my fear motivate me, if that makes sense. Um, so there's not, you know, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a mental health professional. I can only share from my experience, but I'm constantly struggling with my insecurities and my fears. Um, I have to let my, my mind make my decisions instead of my fears. And all my fears come from past experiences. So again, I have to ground myself. I have to remind myself of where I am and what's actually happening um, and understand the difference between being unsafe and just being uncomfortable. That's mm. something I'm definitely learning the difference of right now, for sure. So yeah, baby steps, just go out there, meet new people, talk to people. Um, don't apologize for the way that you were raised. Um, that's part of your experience. That's unique. And even though... I was raised in a way I would raise my children that way. I, I did gain a lot of positive experiences from that. It wasn't all bad. I had a very interesting life. I met some interesting people, had some interesting experiences. So, you know, I don't, uh, I don't hate everything anymore. I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of, I'm not full of bitterness. Um, I simply just kind of go on about my day, realizing that I'm not exactly like everyone else and that's okay. <laughs> Yo, you drop it. Yo, you definitely drop the gems on. Yo, uh, yo, <laughs> on this episode, you definitely dropping the gems on them. I'm telling you, definitely. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I hope so. I hope, I hope someone, um, is definitely getting getting something from this. Um, and I'm, and definitely, I hope, um, someone is feeling inspired. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm definitely. Um, getting something from this today or from this podcast definitely you definitely dropping some gems on them he's definitely um yeah. uh, yes right. um yeah absolutely so uh, as so as far as like you know your fear and i and i know uh I, i'm a because i know nyron got more questions for you and then after that um because i know we're going to be pressed on time um so as far as like fear goes and, uh, and and anger let's say like you know when you talk about you want to talk about the bitterness the uh the anger so let's say like you're mad all at the world um and even though you answered the question 
um, what what's the what's the small steps that someone can do because like switch that mindset of bitterness and anger as they mm-hmm. have you know for the world yeah it's a it's a process it's definitely not something that happens overnight um there's a lot of little light bulb moments there's a lot of little realizations it, it definitely isn't something that i could just drop overnight um the bitterness is easier to let go of over time because I've found other things that make me happy. I don't have to be angry at the things that didn't work. Now I can be happy about the things that do work. So there's not a lot of room for bitterness in my life anymore. So yeah, filling your life with things that do serve you and that do promote a healthy lifestyle can definitely curb that bitterness. They really can. Um, when you expose yourself to other things, you're, it's going to distract you from all that other stuff. You're eventually going to grow out of it. Um, but what I do when I'm angry, this is really fun. I call my friend Jason because he's a safe person I can be angry with. And so I can call, I can be angry because he thinks it's funny. Um, when, I, when I get angry, he, he, it's entertaining for him. So he gets something out of it. So I call him, I deal with my anger, but he also asks me those questions like my counselor asked me. He asked me all those, well, why and this and that. It's like, okay. He just kind of helps me through the process. It's like, it's okay to be angry. And he just kind of sits with me while I'm angry, while I'm kind of tossing things out of my head. And I really appreciate that. Everybody needs a friend that they can call when they get upset and vent without any apologies or without any judgment. That is very valuable. So anyway, thanks, Jason. <laughs> Shout out to Jason. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. All right. Narrow is, is um go ahead. Un- go ahead. So you and oh, well, Yeah, my my only other question, because you know, again I have a plethora of them, but uh, I think the most important one that I want to ask is what are you what are your plans for the future? What are your future goals? Oh, well, I honestly I love what I'm doing right now. And that's podcasting. That's talking to all different kinds of people, meeting people from all walks of life. Um, I have another show called What I Like About You, where we talk to all different kinds of people. See, as a Christian, I was limited to only that Christian group of people. So I didn't really know anybody (laughs) outside my faith. So podcasting has really kind of come out of my shell. I don't know if anyone can tell, but public speaking is actually a fear of mine. No, we can't. You're doing a great job of that. Well, me right now, you ace at this, so. Okay, she forgot. Yeah. Okay, here we You I were really breaking up. Alexis, Alexis, you was breaking up. <laughs> Alexis, I'm sorry, you was breaking up. Can you say that yeah. again? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you was breaking up. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Do we need to repeat that? Am Alexis, can you hear us? Uh-oh, uh-oh. All right. Oh, hear you. I can hear you. Okay. All I'm right. still here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 I love what I'm doing right now. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm podcasting. Uh, like I said earlier, three shows, two in the works, two more being written. Um, I love doing that. I feel like it's work that feels natural for me. 
Um, so I love doing that, but I also, I also work in advocacy, advocacy for domestic violence and sexual assault survivors. I also do that. So I kind of dabble here and there. Um, how, where I see myself is I see myself still podcasting. I see my step, myself still helping other people and uh, just pursuing happiness for myself and promoting my a healthy lifestyle for myself and for my kids. So what I really don't have a whole you? lot of expectations for myself. I really just want to enjoy my life and uh, experience it to the fullest. And I value everyone I meet. I just, I love meeting new people. So that's something I'll always be doing, I think. <laughs> you know, so what does Let's happiness mean for you then? What was that? What does happiness mean for you then? Happiness, honestly, there are things that can, uh, that can um, facilitate happiness. Sure, you get happy when you have a fun day with a friend. You get happy when you know, someone gives you a nice gift. But for me, happiness is really a state of mind. It's an attitude that I have to, uh, I can be happy anywhere I've learned. Um, I can also be afraid anywhere <laughs> that I've learned. So I think with happiness, the same thing. Um, happiness is something that I have to practice. And happiness was something that I actually didn't experience until I was in my relationship with AC. We actually both were like, are we happy? Is this what being happy feels like? We didn't even know. And, so, and we understood it. Yeah. We weren't just happy because we were in a relationship. We were happy because we understood ourselves a little bit better and where we wanted, we found, we felt like we found uh, what we needed to do in our lives. And I think that's really where it's at. When you know what it is you want to do or need to do, you feel like you find your place. That to me makes me happy. Helping other people makes me happy for sure. Definitely. <laughs> well, that's it for questions for me. I, I, I'm done. I have a quick um, how long have you been podcasting for? Uh, two years, actually. We just, I just celebrated my second anniversary for the show When the Bow Breaks. We just had our second anniversary uh, March 30th. So it's only been two years. Okay. <laughs> wow. So yeah. your podcast is older so than us. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I love I love the, the fact that you like you said podcasting um is like something that you express. That, that's something and, and I love it to like you said, podcasting is something that I love to do. And that's something that we love to do also. Yeah. Um and I and I love also the fact that you said podcasting is something that like I can really like get my head straight and just just go at it. Like I just love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had some I had some production experience when I was in the church, so I didn't come into it knowing zero. I just didn't know how to put a podcast up there. I didn't know about RSS feeds and all that. Um, but AC knew a little more than I did, so he really he taught me everything I know. So you know, props to him. <laughs> Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Awesome. All right. Uh guys, any more questions? No, I'm I'm clean. I'm good. <laughs> Ooh, Lyra, are you clean? That is surprising. Okay, so I have a, I have a surprise. I ha I have a surprise actually. We were talking about home organization and I thought I would uh, come and give everyone a tip. 
so I thought I would do something and put and go out on a limb. I'm going out there out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do something kind of risky and maybe a little controversial. I'm going to show you how okay. I put my underwear because all I'm right. really passionate. <laughs> well, uh, huh? Is that all right? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let's rewind back real quick. Let's go. So don't worry. It's nothing super sexy or anything. I'm a single mom. I don't have anything. Oh, man. This is the first. No, it's really funny because I'm actually very passionate about this one thing. I don't like not knowing where anything is in my underwear drawer. I was in a relationship where we shared an underwear drawer. So I was like, how do we make sure nothing gets mixed up? So a little tip, um, if you don't have drawer dividers or anything like that, you can just use a cardboard box like this. This literally sits in my drawer. And this, so all my underwear is like folded and it's all lined up. I can see everything. So how I fold it, here's like a nice little black. <laughs> so I'll fold it like this. So these are kind okay. of like, so it's like halfway halfway like this and then but well, you're done so it's no, just underwear not a folder deal, too. I get but, it. <laughs> yeah no it, it gets like it's a cluster i don't know if i can say on you know facebook but um i don't like clutter i like being able to open my drawer grab what i need you know kids need to go to school i don't have time to be late so yeah i serve myself by making sure my underwear drawer is organized <laughs> okay that's one way um, how you serve yourself do the work <laughs> do the work ahead of time okay now you know what as for home organization right i want to go back to huh? when you said when you said home organization was your meditation but, mm. um can you please yeah. explain that to our listeners um and that well, way okay. it can be like it's, maybe yeah my home can be my meditation also yeah yeah well when I first started to kind of declutter my own home, it was very overwhelming. Um, so each item that I had, it was kind of a little mini emotional process. Why do I need this? Is this good for me? Do I even have room for it in my life? I had to ask myself those questions. And so moving from like, you know, underwear or seasonal items, I started to ask myself those questions um, about the people in my life. Am I getting something out of this relationship? Do I have room for this kind of relationship? Uh, do I have time? Um, you know, things like that. So it really was cleaning is definitely a meditation for me. Um, just asking myself those little questions. But now, like, you know, it's kind of fun. Uh, you know, when I'm doing my daily maintenance, I'll turn on my music. I've got my headphones on and I'm like doing squats in the kitchen. I'm like, you know, I'm having a good time. I enjoy it. It's, it's fun for me now. I really enjoy it. <laughs> so the thing that used to be really scary and overwhelming is actually fun. So, but it's, it's about my attitude. I changed my attitude and I made it fun. So doing dishes, don't like to figure out a way to make it fun. We're all creative human beings. <laughs> you can do it. was breaking up a little bit just now. Alexis, you was breaking up. Can you can you rewind back when you said about like you know cleaning and doing dishes and everything? Make it fun. Make it fun. Uh, I turn on my music and I do squats, so I kind of work out while I'm cleaning. Uh, mm -hmm. So 
So I, I serve myself while I'm serving myself, if that makes sense. Okay. Figure out a way to make it fun. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Anything. Yeah. And start small. Don't mm -hmm. look at the big mess. Just look at what's in front of you. Start with one drawer. Start with one cabinet and go from there. Give yourself breaks and then, uh, you know, re reward yourself uh, for those things. Okay. So yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go. All right. Nairon, yeah. you sure? No more questions. I I got none. I think I'm good. I'm good. That's a new record. All right. All right. That's it is a new record. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what uh, TC. <laughs> TC. I'm good here. I just okay. this episode is definitely gonna make people realize what traumas they're facing and maybe never realize it. And they're going to sit right. down the mirror like, yo, excuse my French. I got fucked over two years ago. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Yeah. Yeah, so. Sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely good information we had today. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. Definitely, definitely thank you for that. Um, before, before you get to your final thoughts, and so, and how can they reach you and everything? TC, is there anyone in the comments to have any question? Any more questions? Nope. We're good. Nope. No more Lynn, questions. Jennifer Lynn is just saying thank you for everything. You've been great. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been fun. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um okay so for Uzanel, is there any anything uh final thoughts um and how can i know you've been talking about your podcast like you know uh how can you know what's the link everything your social media everything mm -hmm. yeah where can they find you everything your information okay well the easiest way would probably to visit our our mama site i guess you would call it is kingfishermedia.ca that's kingfisher f-i-c-s or f-i-c-s-s-c-a <laughs> i'm very dyslexic kingfishermedia.ca i will make sure that there's a link uh, in the comments, or we'll make sure links are in the show notes. You can also visit WTBB.com. That's my show about family estrangement. Uh, you can also listen to uh, What I Like About You podcast at likeaboutyou.com. That's another show that we have. Uh, but if you go to that site, you'll kind of, you'll find your way around to all of our uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're basically everywhere. So Kingfisher Media. That's where you want to go to find out where I am, what I'm doing. So yeah, or even follow my page on Facebook too. I'm there. Yeah, Pinterest. I'm on Pinterest, Alexis Erling. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. If we have Let's that go. description, so. Let's go. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and your final thoughts, like just, just express yourself. Final thoughts. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to my story. It's not easy to talk about it sometimes, but I really appreciate people who are listening. Um, I'm just a normal person. If you want to talk to me, you can send me a PM. Um, I love talking to new people. So, you know, do that. You're not alone. You might feel like you're the only one having to deal with this, or you might feel like you don't have a lot of support. You have support. You know me now. 
So I'll get you going. Um, I have a lot of resources. I can plug you into a, you know, life coach if you need one. I know lots of people. So, you know, come find me, come talk to me, but, uh, forgive yourself for your imperfections. Forgive yourself for not knowing what to do when you needed help. Forgive yourself for not being the person that you saw yourself being and just accept yourself now and love yourself en enough not to stay that way. Love yourself enough to go and try new things and to meet new people because it's going to enrich your life. Don't let your fear uh, be the driving force in your life would be one thing that I would say, because that was the driving force in my mom's life. And I can see how that made my family miserable. And so fear is not something that I have a whole lot of room in my life for anymore. That may be one thing. <laughs> beautiful mm. but other than that you know thanks for having yourself yeah no thank you yeah definitely thank you um for everything like Ursa, you was dropping gems on them definitely so <laughs> yeah you was definitely dropping gems on them like you yeah you you definitely your thing on this one like, yeah um well, I'm yeah <laughs> yeah, thank you um yeah this is the this is episode 24 dc and census podcast you can uh so this is gonna be a replay um on anchor if you'd like to support uh the podcast on anchor you can just click support on anchor um dot uh anchor fm i'm sorry anchor um the fm yeah um spotify uh apple if you'd like to you know apple podcast uh give a review um oh it's gonna be on you this is gonna be on youtube i can catch the replay but yeah I, definitely alexis you was great absolutely thank you for having me i had fun thank you again yes absolutely yeah. all right guys thank you so much alexis well that's episode 24 and uh um so is there anything else you gotta say before we close this out you smile no me. no i'm just grateful i'm grateful that alexis you were able to share your story um i do have more questions about being on the spectrum and stuff but i think that's a whole nother two hours that we can go through you know <laughs> Nyron, we still have time you know that we do we have time. Do we have time? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. One quick question. All right, so what is, <laughs> where did you find out that you were on the spectrum? What was that like? Uh, when I, I, I went to when I went to counseling and and uh, you know I was starting to explain. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed with this and I'm overwhelmed with that. And she's like, she asked me a lot of questions and it, I found out that yeah, I have sensory processing issues. Um, I don't like being in really crowded places, noisy places. I like knowing what to expect. Um, the way that I process information is different than most people. Um, obviously, I'm very verbal, but I used to be very quiet and very timid, very shy, didn't really understand a lot of social, social cues. I still miss them sometimes. So I'm definitely not, they haven't said that I'm full on autistic, but um, she definitely told me that I'm on the spectrum. So there definitely are a lot of characteristics uh, about that, but I'm still learning about those because I never had counseling or 
therapy or anything like that growing up. So it's, it's still something that's very new to me that I'm still learning about. So I don't have a whole lot of information, but I have a, I have a, I have experience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That's it, Nairon? Anything else? That's it, I promise, I promise. You you like, you're the last shotgun shell ready, like. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. Um, Alexis, thank you so much. Thank you, you, Alexis. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Thanks for Um, (laughs) That's episode 24, y'all. So. Catch you later. We are out. All right. Nice. Hey, it's Nikki Billions with Nikki Billions Bling Boutique. I'm an independent fashion consultant. Allow me to help you accessorize your next event. My pieces arrange from statement pieces to simple pieces to bling pieces to pearl pieces. Allow me to help you give them something to talk about. Visit my website. It's www.paparazziaccessories.com forward slash Nikki Billions.